Hey there, friend. You know, weight loss can be a pretty tricky subject, especially if you've already lost some weight and you're working on those last 10 to 15 pounds. It's definitely a different experience than when you're trying to lose the first 10 to 15 pounds. Lots of people have a whole lot of opinions, and it can feel pretty lonely to be working on those last few pounds by yourself. That's why I'm bringing back a beloved free training called Losing the Last 10 to 15 Pounds. We are going to talk about what losing those last pounds is, and more importantly, what it's not about. We'll bust through the myths, and we'll talk about what's really needed to lose those last 10 to 15 pounds. And finally, I'll share with you how to lose the last 10 to 15 pounds in a way that is loving and safe and healthy, and most importantly, a positive experience for you. I'll be presenting live twice on Tuesday, May 21st, 2024, once at 11 a.m. Central and the other at 7.30 p.m. Central. I'll answer your questions live and we'll have a great time together. But if you can't make either of those times on that day, I'm not going to leave you hanging. We are offering several watch parties through the rest of the week and even on the following Saturday. So come and watch the replay with other doctors and interact in the chat with them and my team. So either way, whether you come live or to a watch party, it will definitely be worth your time. All you have to do is register at katrinaubellmd.com forward slash lose the last. That's katrinaubellmd.com forward slash L-O-S-E-T-H-E-L-A-S-T. Now, please enjoy the show. Welcome to Weight Loss for Busy Physicians, the podcast where busy doctors like you get the practical solutions and support you need to permanently lose the weight so you can feel better and have the life you want. If you're looking to overcome your stress eating and exhaustion and move into freedom around food, you're in the right place. Hey there, my friends. How are you? I am so excited for today's podcast. I can't even stand myself. (laughs) Ah, I brought my husband on as an interviewee. How fun is that? I have listened to maybe one or two other podcasts where people have brought on their husbands. And I know for me, I'm like, I have to listen immediately. I must know everything. (laughs) And for real, I've thought about having Matt on the podcast for a while because he really does have such what I think is a pretty unique way of experiencing his work as a physician. But I thought, you know, is that should I do it? Should I not? And then I thought, I'm just doing it. It's going to be awesome. He's going to be amazing. So we are talking all about how he creates an enjoyable experience of his job as an ear, nose and throat physician. And Believe it or not, it's not because of the things he does (laughs) or what his schedule is like or what his medical systems are like or any of that stuff. It all comes down to his thoughts and feelings. And we talk about those and feel free to borrow any of the thoughts that he shares. He also shares a little bit about his eating struggle, if you want to call it that, just kind of more of the realizations that he had about himself and his relationship with food when he started learning all the things that I was learning through me. And then we also talked just a little bit about how he thinks that I have changed over the course of time now knowing all of these coaching tools. So I cannot wait for you 
to listen in. It's going to be so super duper fun. I, I had a great time. I think he did too. And I hope that you enjoy me interviewing my husband, Matt Ubell, MD. Enjoy. Matt Ubell, welcome to the podcast. Why, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we just can't get over how fun this is to be in the same house, <laughs> but talking to each other over the computer. It's kind of yep, funny. It's bizarre. It's a little bizarre. (laughs) All right. So I have been talking about having you on the podcast or at least thinking about it for a while because I think you have really a lot to offer. And I think, (laughs) and I think that I, I just can't wait to pick your brain even more because I just love looking at the way that you approach your job in medicine. It was it's just so different than the way that I approached my job in medicine. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I learned a lot from watching you. But even now when I'm working with my clients and seeing what they're struggling with, and then I see how you just on your own kind of handle certain situations that are very similar. It's just so different. And I think we can just all learn a lot from you. Not putting you up there as like you are like on the pedestal of the most amazing, you know, person ever, which of course you are anyway. But if you know, it's not so much that. It's more that somehow naturally your thoughts have created the experience of really enjoying your job. And that's what I was just gonna say, kind of well, kind of along the same lines. It's like you'll ask me, well, how do you deal with this? And I'll just say, Well, I just do it. I don't know. It's, right. It's like that's just how I am. It's just how you are. Exactly. Which is so interesting. I love that. I, I'm like so happy for you. It's not so hard. It's not so much work. But so the first thing though, that I ask all my guests is to just have you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. All right. Well, I am about, I think this is my 11th year in private practice doing ear, nose and throat. And I have a incredible wife who helps me <laughs> of course you do <laughs> right answer right answer <laughs> but my practice is a private practice it's me and two other physicians right now there used to have more but some of them retired and we work within a hospital system but we have our own practice which is really attractive to me and so i see patients in the office and operate one or two half days a week have one day off, which is great. And, you know, take call and stuff like that. And then our family life is great. We've got three kids. and you know. You're like, what do I say? Well, I feel like your listeners probably already know about our family life. Right. right. They probably, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, cool. Okay. That's good to know. Okay. So here's one thing that a lot of physicians struggle with. I know you know this, but I sometimes wonder if you don't really realize how pervasive it is. You are on electronic medical records. You're on Epic. Mm-hmm. And it is really unusual for you to come home and ever have to do any charting. Yep. And mm-hmm. when you see patients in clinic, I mean, sometimes, how many patients do you sometimes see in a half-day clinic? Sometimes you tell me it's a lot. Well, in a whole day, I'm up like, usually it's around 27 to 30. Some Sometimes days. you see that many though in a half day though, don't you? No, no. Half day, like a really busy half day would be like 20 patients. Okay. And then, you know, just so you're, some of your, your listeners are probably like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> sometimes a lot of those are post-op visits, like a post-op, you know, after tubes or a tube check. I mean, it's literally like a five minute visit. I mean, you okay. can pop in, you know, say hi, 
you know, ask how things are going and take a look at tubes and then they're out the door. So, you know, sometimes, you know, that's, I'm not having a like diabetic patient with, like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> they've got like seven issues. Although there was one patient I had yesterday who had seriously that like I went through his diagnosis. There were nine different things that I talked to him about. Wow. I was like, oh my God. But uh, most that's of them are complicated. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but a lot, so in my busier clinics, you know, a lot of times, like, you know, 18 or 20 patients in a half day. And then the afternoon, I'll see another, you know, 10 or something like that. Usually I'll, I'll be at a satellite. They're not quite as busy. Okay. Okay. So you see all these patients and you get your charts done. Right. And there's really no drama around charting. No. Right. <laughs> I love that you're like, no. <laughs> and this is exactly why I want you on this podcast, Right. Because you just, I mean, every now and then, if something's really going on and you need to get home to get, you know, some kids somewhere or something, you might be like, okay, I'll just finish. But I think that the only time, it's more likely if you, which is still so rare, if you need to bring anything home, it's dictating an op report. Uh, that, but that's, I haven't even done that for a long time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So basically the point is you almost never have to bring anything home. So right. tell us how this happens, not just what you do. Well, first tell us what you do, and then I'll actually get into the meat of it. So first of all, I try to do the note after every patient. So and when I see patients, I don't do the note while I'm in the room because I... Right, which is, I, I thank you for bringing that up because so many people are like, well, but I'm a special case because I think it's rude to be typing in front of them. And you don't type in front of them. Right, because I do think it's rude. Or also I tried that right when I started in practice and I found that I wasn't paying attention to the patients. And I'm sure that they could tell that. Because I, you know, I'd be like, you know, I just asked him this question. I can't remember the answer because I was typing. Yeah. And so how does that come across? You're like, you know, I can't remember what I asked you like 30 seconds. Ago. <laughs> right. so, this very young doctor doesn't know anything. Everybody's right. always saying to Matt, right. they're always like, how old are you? <laughs> right. I'm in my 40s. So I, I bring the computer in the room if, if I have to look something up or show, show them a scan or something like that. But then I always do the note right afterwards if I can. So. And I, when I can't, usually if I get more than about 10 or, or more than 15 minutes behind, I don't feel like I should sit and do the note before seeing the next patient. So then I'll just see the patient. But if I, if I don't, I will almost always, if I am not going to be able to remember them, like so there's some long-term patients where I'm going to remember them. And if I don't think I can, I'll make a couple notes. Like I'll just say, you know, a couple words for each problem that I talk to them about and then close it and then move on. But I try to get that done at the end of every patient before I go see the next one, because it's, it's always, first of all, it feels great. Cause then at the end of your clinic, you're like, Oh, well, there's only that one patient that I didn't finish. So great. I just pound that note out and I'm done. And then if I do have to, at the end of the day, like there are some days when I'm behind, like, or I'll, like I'll surgery show up half an hour late. So I mean, I'm starting out half an hour late every single patient I'm late for. So I don't do any of notes. So then, you know, I've got eight or 10 notes finished, you know, to do. And then I really make it a game like, okay, eight or 10 notes. I wonder if I could do that in half an hour and I'll just like bang it out. And I really try to avoid any distractions. Like I try not to have it where, well, actually what I'll do first is like, look at my inbox. Like if I have phone calls to make, I'll make those first. So I don't have those like weighing on me or like, I'm not thinking about those while I'm doing the notes. And then I just bang out the notes as fast as I can, trying not to have any interruptions and then. And I just do it. And usually it's... it's do you it's mean you're like, not going on Facebook during that time? Facebook? What's that? 
<laughs> I don't do that. No. You're not texting your friend or your brother or <laughs> somebody. <right>. My wife. <laughs> your wife, right? <laughs> uh, that's, that's what I'm texting my, my wife because I'm like, I didn't finish any notes. I'll do them as fast as I can. Then I'll be home. <laughs> then I'll be home. Exactly. Just FYI, letting you know. <laughs> so so you, you said, though, that you are you try to avoid distractions. So if people are coming up to you, what do you do? Well, I mean, if they come up to me, I, I still you know, talk to them. If they have something that they need to know, then I still talk to them. But I tr- what I try to do is like where I normally sit is kind of out where everybody is. And I'll try to go to my office so that, you know, if, if someone wants to bug me, they have to walk all the way back there and yeah. like, actually find so me. Make it harder for them. Then yeah. it's probably right. a worthy interruption, right? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> they took the, the effort to walk all the way back there. Right. And so that seems to work for you, right? So, so he, now we, what we just talked about were your actions. So I know you know the thought model, right? So there's always a thought and then an emotion that drives those actions. So let's back it up. Can you think of like one or two or three emotions, feelings that you create for yourself when you're like, okay, let me just, because you told me already what some of your thoughts are. Like, I'm just going to pound these out. I wonder how fast I can get these done. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to, you know, bang these, these out as quickly as I can. So those are your thoughts. And how do you feel then? I mean, motivated is the word that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. So not totally like self-pity and sorry for yourself. And <laughs> well, that helps me to be like enthusiastic about it. Cause there's like, yeah. you know, oh God, I got 10 notes to do or like, you know, this note, one note, that's the other thing. It's like some of those post-op visits or the quick ones, those are totally quick notes to do. And those I'm like, I don't look at those with any dread at all. But then there's the one with nine problems. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, it's going to take me forever to do this now. But then it's you like don't a discharge summary where you're like, I'm going to die. I've <laughs> <laughs> been in the hospital a month and a half. You're like, what? Yeah. Right, right. Or but like, for that then, one, how do you approach that? Yeah, I just... Bang it out. It's like, I, I think my thought is like, I'm just going to do it. Like it's, it's going to get done either way. So there's no point in, uh, there's no point in like dreading it. Just do it. And it's amazing how fast it just gets done. Yeah. So what you're doing, in case you didn't know, is you're just taking all the drama right out of it. I think right? so. It's all just math. You're just like, well, these charts need to get done. I can get them done now, or I can dread it for a while and then get them done. So how would I just get them done now? Yeah. Yeah. And that totally works for you. Now, the other thing that you did early, early on, because you came on to that practice right as they were implementing actually a different electronic medical record system, mm-hmm. but then you kind of carried it over when you guys switched to Epic too, is you really put in the time to create templates for yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. But that's So talk a little bit about the utility of having those templates, because oh, I just yeah. want to back up, you know, I never was on, I was on electronic medical records at the, uh, the bazillion hospitals I saw babies at, <laughs> but not in my practice. So this is something I didn't have experience with. Yeah. I mean, that's like, that's huge using those templates. So especially for all those post-op visits, like it's, it's the same visit, right? The post-op, you know, after ear tubes, it's the same visit for everybody. So there's only a couple things that I fill in and that makes it so quick. That's why that note is like no problem for me. I never think, Oh, this is terrible because that note takes me like three seconds to do. I have to, you know, click a couple things, type a couple things like the day of their surgery and, you know, finish it. That's it. And then, but even the, 
new patients that like I don't have a template for. And so then I also have a template for like probably at least the 10 most common things that I see. You know, so for me, like, you know, get with recurrent ear infections or a tonsil issue or reflux or eustachian tube dysfunction. Like those things are really common for me. And so it's all the questions that I typically ask and I just have to choose the right things. And, and that makes it a lot faster. But even one that I don't, I have like a normal, you know, office visit template and I fill out their HPI and I type it, you know, my, you know, some people use dragon or they dictate or something like that, but I just, I'm pretty fast at typing. And that way I can, I can think that way too. And that's, it works for me, but the exam is already filled out and I just have to make changes to things that are not normal. And then I do the plan, the assessment and plan and I'm done. Yeah. So that it was totally worth it to put the time in and it doesn't take that much time. I mean, honestly, like you can figure, like do a normal visit that you normally do and then look at that visit and put it into a template. Yeah. It's, it's like, it really is not, I think a lot of people really have the story that's like, takes so long and how will I know? And, mm-hmm. and they're always so different, but then you just adjust it, right? It's just, you just right. edit it slightly to make it unique to that person. Right. Now, the other thing that I know, because I used to be on the receiving end of these is that you have it all set up so that the letters that you send to your referring providers kind of get automatically taken care of too. Mm-hmm. Right? Like you don't write a separate letter, right? Yes. Isn't the letter generated from your note? Yes, but a lot of times now I don't send a letter because most of my referring docs are on Epic too. And so they see it through Epic. Right. So, so like, like, like your old practice. My old practice, that's still not on Epic. We're still right? on paper charts. <laughs> right. <laughs> I have to tell it to fax, fax <laughs> a note to you. So I, there's just another tool in Epic to create a, create a letter. But then what I do is like I have, it's called a dot phrase. And so it's yeah. basically, I say dot, I don't know what it was, P-R-O-G or like whatever is for progress note. So like in that letter, all I do is say dot prog and then the let, the progress note is in the letter and then hit send. Yeah. It's so it's, it's all like, that really is just efficiency. Yeah. You know? Like it's just really looking at how can I work the system? Like mm-hmm. how can I game the system? Not like, let me just resist it and be like, it takes so much more time and it would be so much easier if this and that. Like it's in a lot awful. of ways, for you, it really wouldn't be faster for you if you no. had to dictate or, you know, actually type out a whole note and dictate something, a letter and, you know, right. you like for me. just worked within the system to make it as efficient as possible for yourself. Right. You're like, how can I use this to my advantage? What are the pluses of this system? Yeah. Right. For like, so at the hospital, when I dictate then, or when I have an operation, like sometimes like for a trach, you know, I have a template for that. So I don't even dictate that. I have a template when I'm filling out my op note and I put it in there, I like, you know, make three changes forever. That was unique, you know, that trach procedure. And then, and then what I love is that it's done then. Right. If I have a template and I do that, then as soon as I, you know, sign that, it's done. Otherwise, if I dictate, which I do still sometimes for something that's complicated or unusual, then then I have to like then later that day I get the dictation. I have to go through it again and edit it and then sign it and make sure it gets in there. So for me, that's more of a hassle than just doing it right away. Yeah. Totally. Totally. So I'm not I, thinking about inbox. Right. You just don't. Yeah. So you, and you were saying you basically really try to get your inbox to zero every day before you leave. Yeah. Or even every half day. Right. Yeah. So even uh, at lunchtime. Yeah. Yeah. Cause a lot of times that's when I have time to make phone calls and 
Yeah. So lots of but, you know, I want to, I want to make sure though, that people understand that it's not like you have this super cush job where you're like, I have this super long lunchtime all the time. I mean, sometimes you do like all of us, but mm-hmm. there's also many, many days where you're running to the hospital and doing consults during your lunch break mm-hmm. and, or doing a quick case in between mm-hmm. clinics. And then, mm-hmm. and you're not in the same location right. for a whole day ever, right? For clinic, you're always traveling. So there's some travel to a different clinic, right? Right. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, I've, you guys, up. I've basically given up on figuring out where I'm at <laughs> for a while. Every week was the same. And then you started doing some clinics like twice a month. And I'm like, I'm done. I'm not allocating any more space in my brain to figure out where you are. <laughs> <laughs> Patients love that too. And they're like, God, you go to a lot of places. And I'm like, yeah, my wife can't even keep it straight. I <laughs> <laughs> think that's hilarious. I don't even try anymore. Sometimes I don't even know where I'm going. <laughs> but so, but so, you know, lunchtime can be very busy for you too, yet right. you still are able to catch up and be home even when you have to stay and you're like, oh yeah, I have to stay. I'll be a little later. That means that maybe you get home at like quarter to six instead of five. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And usually that's because, I mean, we use, I book patients until about four thirty, And so, and so typically, you know, within half an hour, you know, being late or whatever, I'm done seeing patients. And a lot of times I'm done with my notes at that point. But even if I have to stay, you know, till 5.30 to get my notes done, 5.30 leaving, I think it's great. Yeah. And, you know, and because I have some time, lunchtime, typically, like a lot of times, if I have a consult to see, I'll see it over lunch. So I'll have to do that at the end of the day. So, yeah, but, and we do build in time. Like I don't start my afternoon until 1.30. Yeah. So that is a little built in time to do that, to go see a consult or do a case. Yeah. But also to travel. travel. Right. Travel. Right. Every day it's a different place. So. Right. Right. Okay. All right. So I just want to switch gears just a little bit because you always, it's so funny. People will often say, you know, that things are going well for me. And then they're like, oh, and then you can just retire your husband. <laughs> and I always just say, but he really likes being a doctor. He doesn't but, want but to retire. Sounds like you're going to put me out the pasture. Right. <laughs> and, and it's, I think it's so interesting because for so many people, really their dream would be to like win the lottery and not have to work anymore. And for you, you just really like being a doctor. And so I just want to have you talk a little bit about that. Again, what your thoughts are about your experience of being a doctor. Because you see just as many non-compliant people, drug seekers, you know, like you've got the whole range of people as well. But for some reason, that doesn't make you hate medicine. Right. Well, what's interesting is that like your experience has made me just think about, okay, well, do I really want to keep doing this? Is this what I want to do? And what I keep coming back to, the answer is yes. I really like what I'm doing. I, you know, I like the type of medicine I'm practicing. I like the practice I'm in, and I like seeing patients. Like that's that's the thing. And then, and again, this is like this is why I went to med school is and decided to be a doctor is because I wanted to do this kind of doctoring, and I and I really like it. And so that's what you know keeps me you know, feeling excited about going to work and yeah. So I think what you're doing is you're really staying connected to your purpose, like why you even chose this in the first place. Mm -hmm. And you're not letting your brain just show you all the parts that you don't like. Like, I mean, you're like in like really gross, smelly people's mouths and like looking up their noses, like you, you know, like you're not like, Oh my God, if I have to see one more person's rotten, disgusting teeth or smelly, whatever, you know, like you don't focus on that right? You instead are like, I'm really helping people. I really like doing this. And that is the story you tell yourself about your job, about your life as a doctor. Right. Even the things that could be mundane, like even the, you know, ear tubes. It's like, that's, I've seen a gazillion 
kids, you know, and their parents who come in with recurrent ear infections and they need ear tubes. And, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've given the spiel about, you know, how do you get ear tubes and what do they do for you and that kind of thing. Yeah. But like, I, I really, and, and it would be easy to just be like, oh, got all this, you know, it, you look at the new patient chart and it's like, oh, recurrent ear infections. You're like, all right, another one of these. But instead I think, oh, okay, great. Because this, in this patient's and his family in their life, this is going to make a huge difference. And it's nice because I do get that feedback, you know, like, cause parents will come back, you know, they'll come back for their four month check and they're like, Oh my God, this is the best thing we've ever done. <laughs> you know, I couldn't believe like, you know, cause they're like every month their kid was getting an ear infection before and then they don't. And it's a huge difference. And so that even a simple procedure like that or tonsils yeah. or something like that, I keep in mind what a huge difference I'm making in their lives. But also, like other things, like some, I mean, earwax is another one for us where it's just like, oh, man, like, like serum and removal. Uh, gotta clean out earwax again. You know, and I, I, I get that sometimes. I'm just like, oh, right, great. You know, but, you know, what I try to do with those patients is I really try to connect with the patient, like, you know, talk to them. And, and that's part of what's great about being a doctor, too, is like that connection with your patients. And even if I've never seen this patient before, it's, there are some patients that I'm cleaning their ears out every three months and, you know, then I know about their life and their kids and all their, their vacations they took and stuff like that. <laughs> but, you know, if, even if I've never seen them, then I just try to make some sort of connection with that patient. And that's fulfilling, like as a person, you know, just interacting with, with someone else and also as a doctor. And honestly, that makes you a better doctor. I mean, you know, I, I was thinking about this the other day, like there's a friend of ours who used to sell cars and sell motorcycles. And I remember him telling me one one time about how like, you know, with that, you have to connect with your clients. And for him, that was different, but, you know, because they can buy their car from anybody, right? Mm -hmm. But the reason they want to buy it from you and the reason they want to come back to you the next time they need a car and the reason they want to come for their service to your place is because they made a connection with you because you asked them about their family and they, and you care about them, right? And that's why they will come back to you, even if your prices are more than someone else or, you know, and that's why, you know, it makes you a better doctor. It makes, you know, them tell their friends about you, yeah. how they love you, whatever. Right. Right. But, but it's good. You're just, you're, I think what you're doing is you're staying really connected to the value that you provide. Right. You, you're, you know, telling yourself the story of like, what I do changes people's lives. Mm-hmm. You know, like you could also, other doctors think what I'm doing doesn't make any difference. Right. Or like the, the cerebral removal you know, example, it's a miracle, right? People come <laughs> in and they can't hear right. and they walk out and they can hear. I mean, li- I mean, some people, it's not that we deal with some people. They're just like, Oh my God, this is, am- I, this is so great. Like I can hear like, and it's been <laughs> like two years that they couldn't hear something like that. Or, you know, yeah. some people it's like six days and they can't stand it, but you know, it really like, they love it. It's amazing for them. Yeah. Yeah. You just worked a miracle. Right. Right. And even the patients that you aren't able to you know, that you know they've got like some terrible cancer or you hand them over to palliative care or, you know, something like that. Like, I think you're still connected to, you know, I help them the best way I could mm-hmm. make a decision about their treatment plan, even right. though they chose to let this illness end their life or, or something even, like that. Even with a new diagnosis, like even if all I'm doing is I'm letting them know in the best way I can that they have cancer. Yeah. That's a different, that's a, a big deal. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I know that you take that really seriously. It's always yeah. something I've admired about you because you really are, you're not just like, oh, another cancer, right? Like this is a really big deal to that person every single time. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Love that. Okay. Now we're going to talk about food. (laughs) So just to let in my listeners here on what was going on for you, you really have not struggled with food or weight in your life. But then when I, a couple years ago, learned all these coaching tools and applied all this stuff to myself and started changing the way I was eating, obviously the way I was cooking was a little bit different, but I stopped snacking and then you decided to just try stopping snacking. And how much weight did you use? Like 25 pounds? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I without even really trying. Like it just like <laughs> fell off of you. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. We were like, where did it come from? Like, we, <laughs> right, That's the funny thing is I don't even look that different, right? You don't. It's just you like shrunk a little bit everywhere, it's I guess. like more than 10% of my body weight. And it's like, <laughs> right, like where, did it where did it come from? We don't even know. <laughs> but so as you and I would talk about the snacking issue and things like that, you shared how... So of course, your office is this really nice office where there's snacks for everybody and like really good ones too, like nuts and those peanut butter filled pretzels. And I don't know, what else do you like to eat there? Chocolate. Chocolate. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's the thing. What we were talking about charting at the end of the day, right? Oh, God, I got eight notes to do. It used to be, oh, before I do that, I want to make a trip back to the kitchen. <laughs> First, I need a snack, then I'll right. be able to do it. So oh, now you're able to get it done. These notes is a right. right. So now it turned you right. You said there was no way you could do the notes without the chocolate. Now you're like, ah, oh, I do them without the chocolate. It's amazing. I get them done. And you still are able to do them. <laughs> but the thing that was so interesting to me is you said this to me a while back and you said listen everybody emotionally eats and i was like you think so yeah because like i didn't think i did yeah and then i realized what was going on really yeah yeah so basically you know the way i define it is if you're eating for any reason besides true physical hunger right like you're needing fuel in your body then that's eating for emotional reasons Mm-hmm. And so I just, I think that that is so interesting. So as you've kind of now been in maintenance mode, we were talking a little bit about like, if your weight creeps up, mm-hmm. you're like, it's a hundred percent because the snacking has come back. In, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, because here's the thing, like sometimes I actually am hungry at the end of the, you know, yeah. you know, five o'clock rolls around. I actually am hungry. Yeah. But like, I still don't need to go. You know, I, I could also wait an hour to get home for dinner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I I could make it. We can make it. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. So so I think recognizing for you recognizing, right, like that was a way of buffering. Mm-hmm. Right. The negative emotions or just even the fatigue, right? right. Mm-hmm. That you had. Right. After we just talked about how you're like, I just bang things out. Everything's great. You're like, yeah, <laughs> after I got a dopamine hit from chocolate, but <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but so how are you managing your mind when you're so for sure your brain's just like this would really be so much better if you just had some chocolate first yeah so the first thing i did i had to substitute right i had to you know have a sparkling water instead of doing that and that was still rewarding sometimes that's what i still do you know because it's because i also like if i am hungry then that takes that away yeah. Well, you also don't drink enough at all. So you probably actually are thirsty and not hungry. So that's probably a really a great thing to do, honestly. That's probably true. <laughs> yeah. But then, but so that, you know, especially initially, that's what I would try to do is substitute something that was not caloric. But now, like, it's, I just recognize it and say, okay, you know, those, what were you, who was that that was, 
it was, I think it was the one, the podcast where so, you were coaching somebody and they were talking about the brownies calling their name or the cookies yeah. calling their name. Right. The kitchen calls my name. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then you're just like, okay, no, they go to my office, which is farther away from the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you can hide from everybody, including the snacks. <laughs> well, what's really kind of interesting about that though, I have noticed because if I am like, if I'm thirsty, like if to get tea, we go back to that kitchen area to get a sparkling water. I go to a different area where there's a fridge that has it. Mm. And if I go get a sparkling water, okay. If I go past, like go by there to get the tea, like that stuff, it's all just like yawn at me, right? Cause it's right there. <laughs> it really is. It really does make a difference. And almost, I think it's like just a suggestion of it. Cause you're like, your eyes see it. And then all of a sudden your eye, your body's like, Hey, I could eat that. Yeah. Um, well, when you're already a little bit hungry and then you see food for real, like your body secretes ghrelin, right. it does make you hungrier. Right. I mean, that's right. how our bodies function. So mm-hmm. it's like, if you're going to go get a tea, you just have to know like, okay, I will be hungrier. Like you have to anticipate, uh-huh. you know, okay. Not, and not like bracing yourself. Like, you, you know, like, oh my God, I'm going in. Yeah. I need armor. But instead you're, just like. Run at full speed to get your tea. <laughs> <laughs> but instead just be like, yeah, I'll probably be a little hungrier. I'm going to look at that and I'm going to think it looks good. And that's okay. It doesn't mean I need to actually consider eating it. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. So good. Okay. All right. So in our final moments, final minutes here. So we knew each other about 15 years. I figured out, I think about 15 years before I learned all this coaching stuff. I fully remember the day I came running downstairs. I'm like, Matt, listen to this. Your thoughts create your feelings. <laughs> your feelings create your actions and your actions create your results. What? <laughs> but So what have you noticed in me since I've learned all these coaching tools and applied them to my life? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, there's a, there's a big difference. And I, I told you, I did tell you you could be honest. <laughs> right, right. No, I'm not, I'm not hesitating because I'm trying to be diplomatic. No. Okay. <laughs> it's just hard to know what to say. Because, I mean, there, there are the great parts of you that I love, of course. But I think that the, a big thing, like you have a lot of more patience, both with yourself and with our family. And I think, it, and like even on family trips and stuff like that. I think one thing I noticed is that just like sometimes when you would, it would almost be like you would decide something was bad, like a situation was bad. And that was just all bad. Like there was nothing good about it. Right. You couldn't see anything else about it. And we got stuck that way sometimes. Yeah. And for me, that made a difference because I, I could tell that of course. And then, and then I felt bad. It's like me, my inner conflict of like not wanting conflict or wanting to smooth things over. And then it would like, I just get, you know, anxious about it or whatever. So I've noticed that that's like, I don't see that anymore. And I think that's just because you're, you're able to manage your thinking and, or like recognize, okay, well, you know, that was bad, but it doesn't mean the entire experience has to be bad or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> does that make sense? It totally does make sense. Okay. I'm just thinking about <laughs> the position you're being put in right now to be like, <laughs> talk about why I sucked before. And what I'm now. <laughs> I was just thinking, that's probably how that, that question is really phrased, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I think you did very well. <laughs> what was awful about Katrina before? Right. <laughs> All right, Matt. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and You're sharing welcome. your amazingness with everybody. All right. <laughs> All right. 
All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Did you know that you can find a lot more help from me on my website? Go to katrinaubellmd.com and click on free resources.